This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome into the local angle. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, recapping week two in the NFL. You're going to hear from John Jastrzemski from New York, New York. He'll get you updated on everything going on with the Giants after a huge win for them. They come back from 28-0 against the Cardinals. On the other hand, the Jets, Zach Wilson. What do you know? Three interceptions for Wilson as the Jets go down to the Cowboys. Then you'll hear from Jason Goff from the full go in Chicago. Another loss for the Bears as they now start the season 0-2. And then you'll hear from the guys from the Philly special, Ben Solak and Shiel Kapadia. They'll get you updated on everything with the Eagles as they picked up that win over the Vikings on Thursday night football to move to 2-0. But where we start is with a disappointing loss for the Patriots as they fall to the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium. They are 0-2 on the season, both losses coming at home, which is not ideal going forward for this Patriots team. And they were ever so close. I was watching the end of that game, and I felt like Cole Strange originally had that first down when he gets the lateral from Mike Isecki, but unfortunately, he's just a little bit short. And after you watch that replay, it did feel like he was short. It did feel like they got the right call, but you did feel like the Patriots at least were going to have some drama. At least we did have some drama, I guess. But the Patriots are going to have a chance to win this game at the end. Unfortunately, they didn't have that. And it feels like right now, the Patriots have become a team that is just competitive, right? They're a team that, hey, if you're a good team, it's going to be a big test, but you feel pretty confident you're going to win the game. Right now, what the Patriots are to the good teams in the NFL, they're a sparring partner. Yeah, the Eagles had some issues in week one, but they still won the game. It was a good lesson they learned. The Dolphins, they learned a lesson. This is what the Patriots are right now. They're a sparring partner for good teams in the NFL. Unfortunately, this is just where they are because they can't get out of their own way. Good teams don't continually make big-time mistakes, and what we've seen with this Patriots team, they continue to make big mistakes, and I thought, I felt good after week one. I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen again. They're not going to have all these careless issues, and once again, what we saw is this Patriots team, they continue to shoot themselves in the foot, and you go back to just think about this. Because of all these early mistakes they make in these games, they dig themselves holes, and you look at it, the Patriots in the first quarter this year, two first quarters they haven't scored. Go back to last year, one of the same issues this team had. They averaged 2.7 points per game in the first quarter. That was 30th in the NFL. It's very difficult to continually be working from behind in this league, especially when you're not a high-octane offense like the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, like the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. This is not who the Patriots are. They need to play on schedule, and they keep ending up playing off schedule because of these early mistakes. I mean, just think about the negative plays and the issues they had that killed drives. You go to the first series of the game. Ramondre loses two yards to start off that drive. And then what happens? Mack is sacked by Chubb where the Patriots can't pick up a blitz. And then you get no gain from Ramondre, so you have to punt the ball. So right away, you have a three and out because you can't pick up a blitz. Then you go to the second series of the game. 
where the Patriots are marching down the football field. And Demario Douglas, the rookie who showed signs in training camp and he was still out there returning punts after the fumble, but he fumbles the ball, right? That was, you were at the Miami 29. So right then and there, that's at least a 10-point swing, right? Where you're at least getting three points there. It could have been seven points. So it really could have been a 14-point swing because Miami goes down the field and they take a 10 to nothing lead. And now this has become a massive problem for the Patriots, right? The first two games, you have now given up 13 points off of turnovers if you're Bill Belichick's team. In week one, it was the Mac pick, of course, the pick six, and the Zeke fumble, which set up a touchdown as well for that Cowboys team. 13 points off turnovers in the opener because, fortunately for the Patriots, the Eagles missed an extra point in that one. But remember, the Eagles scored 25 points in the opener. So more than half of their points came off the Patriots' turnovers. This is what I keep coming back to in terms of the mistakes. This is why the Patriots aren't beating good teams, because good teams don't make as many mistakes as these Patriots teams do, or as this Patriots team is doing right now. So, and you think about just the missed opportunities, continuing on that. Third series of the of the game, you're driving. Cole Strange picks up a holding penalty. Pat's headed at the 32, and that makes it a first and 20. So then, okay, you pick up a couple of yards, but the Patriots at that time, you have to settle for a field goal, right? Because you're dealing with a situation where you pick up a holding penalty, which puts you behind the chains. And then you go late in the game, it's 17-10. to 10. Christian Gonzalez, who played really well in this game, has an outstanding interception where he picks off, of course, Tua, where Tua's looking down the field for Tyree Kill. But after that, Mac, an incompletion to Juju, who just gets absolutely rocked. And then the very next play, Mac is sacked by Van Ginkel, who Kelvin Anderson has beat on that play. You lose 10 yards. Eventually, you have to punt the football. Kelvin Anderson is an undrafted guy that signed with the Patriots, he was waived by the Patriots, he was claimed by the Jets, he was waived by the Jets, he was signed by the Broncos, and now he's here with you because of some of the depth you don't have in terms of the offensive line and some of the injuries you're dealing with when we talk about Trent Brown and Riley Reef right now. So this is a journeyman. These are the situations that the Patriots find themselves in because after that, Mostert goes down and he scores a touchdown in the very first play of their next drive. He makes it 24-10, to right? So you have a chance at 17-10, to your rookie makes a huge play, And instead of you moving forward, you give up a sack and the Dolphins come right down and score. They make it a two-possession game. And even on the final series of the game, right, the Patriots almost get that first down. It was very close with Cole Strange. But why were they behind the chains to begin with? Mack was sacked by Bradley Chubb to make it second and 18. Vidarian Lowe was beat. He was a six-rounder for the Vikings in 2022. He played four games for them last season. The Patriots had to trade for him right before the season began because of the injury to Riley Reef, where Reef was playing guard, where we know he's a tackle. He's not a guard, but he was playing guard during preseason. He gets injured. And the Patriots, this is what they did with the offensive line, right? You have Riley Reef on IR. Trent Brown, unfortunately, is dealing with an injury right now, a concussion. So you're playing two guys in Kelvin Anderson and Vidarian Lowe that aren't starting tackles in the NFL. That's not who they are. This is after last week you started two guards that shouldn't be starting. And this sort of brings me to this whole other issue with this Patriots team is right now you look at this team, they can't run the ball consistently. And (laughs) this should be a team where they're not going to be this high-powered, high-flying passing attack. They should have a good offensive line. That should sort of be some of the ethos of this team is, hey, we got to be good up front to protect Mac Jones and to run the football. And the Patriots... In the offseason, they went bargain basement hunting in terms of their offensive line, and it's really costing them right now. 
the Patriots couldn't run the ball at all. Now, some of the numbers, they were still under four yards per carry. Some of the numbers looked better at the end of the game because the second to last series, the Dolphins were inviting the run because they thought you were going to pass the football. And they were like, all right, if you want to run the ball, go ahead. But you go back to last week, the Chargers ran for 234 yards against Miami. The Chargers ran for 5.9 yards per carry. The Patriots could do nothing. And this is sort of an illustration of the offensive line that in week one, Bill O'Brien hid some of the issues this team had by Mac getting rid of the football quickly. That's right. I think right now when you just go empty, that's probably the best situation for the Patriots. But week one, the Patriots were 30th in pass block win rate from ESPN's metric, and they were 26th in run block win rate. If you go back to last season, they were 15th in pass block win rate and 32nd dead last in run block win rate. And it looks that way, right? You look at the first half of this game, the Patriots had 12 rushes for 31 yards, 2.6 in terms of the average there. If you just look at the running backs, Zeke, five carries. He had one carry for more than four yards out of those five. Four were for three yards or less. Ramondre Stevenson, six carries in the first half, two for more than four yards, Four of them for less than three yards, including a couple negatives in there. And then you go right to the start of the third quarter, right? Where you have a pitch to Stevenson, he gets outside, he picks up nine yards. That's the only way they're going to pick up yardage is if they get to the perimeter because they can't block it up front. And then you think about Mac Jones. Okay, he sneaks for nine yards. They find Parker for a nine-yard gain. Stevenson, no gain. And then he loses three yards, right? So right then and there, you're in a situation, you're trying to pick up a first down. Stevenson instead loses three yards on a pitch. Holland doesn't get blocked whatsoever. The Patriots trying to get to the perimeter because they're in a situation where they know they can't run in between the tackles, right? So then you have to punt after that series where you went from second and one to having to punt. Second and one at the 43, your own 43, then you have to punt the football, right? These are the issues that this team has right now is the offensive line, which we said before the season it was going to be an issue for this team. And we've seen it through the first two weeks. It may have not been as glaring in week one, but in week two, it was certainly glaring for this team where they cannot run the football against a team that we just saw last week couldn't stop the run whatsoever. And then you start to think about some of the injuries piling up in the secondary, which really that was evident at the end of the first half where... You had no Jonathan Jones, which was unfortunate because Jonathan Jones has been really good historically against Tyreek Hill, who actually really wasn't a problem in this game. But then you also lost Marcus Jones in the game. So you're down to a bunch of guys you don't want to play, right? So, for example, that last drive where they get points at the end of the half, a touchdown, Tua finds Craycraft for 22 yards on Jalen Mills. Then he finds Smythe for six yards on Sean Wade, a guy that shouldn't be playing. Mills should not be in coverage, right? He's... Should not be covering a guy like Craycraft. He should be a guy that's playing almost like a free safety role. Then he finds Craycraft again to Tua on Miles Bryant. Again, shouldn't be out wide. And then he finds Berrios on Wade 18 yards. So what Miami did is what Brady used to do. Anytime there's a young corner or a corner that's not very good in the case of Wade or in the case of Bryant, he's going to pick on those guys. They went down the field. They scored at the end of the half because the Patriots are reeling from a secondary perspective. And then you think about, well... It would have been different if you had some of those guys, but this is sort of how it goes in the NFL. So yes, you were able to, even though you were missing some secondary guys, they burned you on that one drive at the end of the first half. You still stayed in it. And unfortunately, you couldn't make up for some of the opportunities you were given because of the turnovers we mentioned earlier and because of sacks you were giving up. 
the offensive line issues that we pointed to at the beginning of the season. If you want to take a positive from this one, I would definitely look at Christian Gonzalez, who, of course, we mentioned the interception. That was huge. He certainly competed against Tyreek Hill. Hill really had an underwhelming game where you look at Hill on this one, and Belichick has historically done a good job on him. Just five catches for 40 yards, and you lost the game. You figure you limit him to 40 yards, you win this football game. The Patriots, unfortunately, didn't. But now they're in this reality where teams to start 0-2 and make the playoffs since the merger in 1970, 39 of 406, that's 9.6%. Yeah, the Bengals just made it last year, but that's the Bengals with Joe Burrow, a guy that went to the Super Bowl the previous season. So unfortunately, this just feels like where the Patriots are right now. They're plucky, they're competitive, but they're not good enough to beat good teams because they cannot get out of their own way. And because the offensive line, we thought it'd be an issue entering the season. It's been an issue through the first two weeks. No way around it. All right, coming up next on The Local Angle, John Jastrzemski will give you his take on the Giants pulling off an epic comeback and Zach Wilson losing an ugly one in Dallas. Welcome back to the Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. I'm JJ Jastrzemski. Hallelujah. Thank heavens for the quotient of big blue New York Giant fans that are in my life. Because about 5.45, 6 o'clock Eastern time, I think almost 90% of those Giant fans were about to throw in the towel like Rocky should have for Apollo Creed in the Yvonne Drago Rocky Four, and basically call it quits on the 2023 NFL season a game and a half into it. Why? The Giants are playing. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome back to the Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. I'm J.J. Jastrzemski, the host of New York, New York. And hallelujah, thank heavens for the quotient of big blue New York Giant fans that are in my life. Because about 5.45, 6 o'clock Eastern time, I think almost 90% of those Giant fans we're about to throw in the towel like Rocky should have for Apollo Creed in the Yvonne Dry. The Giants are playing quite possibly the worst team in the NFL. They are fresh off of losing to the Dallas Cowboys by the score of 40 to nothing. They proceed to go and get outscored 20 to nothing to start off the first half of this game. 20 to nothing, outscored 60 to nothing to start a year. The Giants going into the locker room could not have looked 
more fried. They could not have looked more cooked. To quote my buddy who I do ringer-wise guys and I do East Coast bias with, Raheem Palmer, they look Larry Holmes status. Then all of a sudden, something changed. Something shifted. Something just drastically, or edit all that. Something changed. Something shifted. And all of a sudden, coming out of the locker room, the Giants flipped the switch and looked like the team that, let's be honest, many of us expected to see offensively. The quarterback, who looked asleep in the first half of this game, all of a sudden making plays down the field. The rookie, Jalen Hyatt, with some monster, monster catches. Darren Waller involved in the passing game. You know that was going to happen once it came on New York. New York, that was an absolute given. But he gets going. Isaiah Hodgins, who had this great rapport and chemistry with Daniel Jones last year, he makes some big plays. Darius Slayton makes some big plays. And the Giants, slowly but surely, keep grinding, keep attacking, and opened up their offense. Now, there's rumors and rumblings on Twitter that Brian Dable decided in the second half of this game he was going to have more of a role in dissecting and calling plays. Hey, whatever the Giants decided to do in the second half of the game offensively is exactly what they needed to do. So if you want to credit Brian Dable for that, you want to credit Daniel Jones for that, you want to credit the weapons, credit whoever the hell you want. The Giants and I know sometimes I get accused of being dramatic. I know there are people probably saying, JJ, it's two games in. There's still going to be an eternity left in this NFL season. Yeah, that may be true. But when you're playing the worst team in the NFL argument and you lose 40 to nothing like the Giants did, you couldn't lose that game. And at 20 to nothing, I'm wondering, are the Giants going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes? Thankfully, they answered the bell. The 2023 season is back on. Simple as that. The Giants showed you stones. The Giants showed you some intestinal fortitude. And they responded. Now, I get it. The Arizona Cardinals stink. The Arizona Cardinals, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They're going to be in those Caleb Williams sweepstakes. That is all accurate. That is all fair. That is all true. But guess what? Don't apologize. Take the win. You know you're in a predicament on Thursday night against the San Francisco 49ers where, let's be honest, you're facing a monstrous uphill climb. Regardless, now you throw in a fact, and if you saw at the end of this game, and we'll have more word in the next 48 to 72 hours, but Saquon Barkley was very gimpy, had to be helped off the field, slammed his helmet down. I don't know if you guys caught that on the Fox cameras. So I I think it's a safe bet and a reasonable expectation that Saquon Barkley will not be on the field for the New York Giants when they're taking on the Niners. And I don't think anybody in their right mind could expect the Giants to go and win that game. But with the slate of games that they have in front of them, with some of the daunting road trips that they have in front of them, they couldn't lose this one. And I don't care how you found a way to do it. I don't care that you spotted the Arizona Cardinals 20 points. A win is win 
is a win. Take it, bank it, move on. But if there's something that should make you feel better about the state of affairs, the fact that the Giants attack down the field, the fact that the Giants, with all of their woes and all of their issues on the offensive line, took them six quarters, but they finally figured out a way to buy Daniel Jones some time, to get him back, make him plays with his legs, but attack in the passing game. They had threats, obviously, today. Clear as the eye to see that were not a part of the equation a year ago. Darren Waller was not a part of the equation last year. You saw how helpful and how useful a player he can be. And I know he barely played week one against the Cowboys, and I know there's the old adage, oh, he's a rookie, he's going to take him time, blah, 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 nonsense. Jalen Hyde needs to play, and he needs to be out there because he's a weapon. He was a weapon in the SEC at Tennessee. His second game in the NFL, he's making a couple of game-changing plays that helped the Giants out. I want to see more of him moving forward. So, you had the Giants, money line parlay, good for you. If you bet the Giants live down 20 to nothing, good for you. You had Arizona plus five and a half, you're saying, thank goodness this game ended. Because I'm sure there were a lot of tickets in the delicate balance at the end of that game, wondering if the Giants are going to go and score a touchdown or they're going to end up kicking a field goal. Giants get the win. They're one and one. And don't apologize. Take it and move on. And we'll see what kind of effort you're going to get as they stay on the West Coast for quite possibly the best team that the NFC has to offer in the San Francisco 49ers. Now, switching gears. You had to know, going into Sunday, short week, quarterback change, losing the iconic Aaron Rodgers, the four-time MVP, the future Hall of Famer, and transitioning to Zach Wilson, that there was going to be, dare I say, an adjustment. That adjustment was on full display for the New York Jets against the Dallas Cowboys. But before we roast the woeful day for Wilson, which could have been a little bit better early in the game, it wasn't. Then he's in a position where he has to throw the ball a ton. And if the Jets are in those sort of games and they're in those sort of positions, they're not going to win. That, to me, has got to be the bigger takeaway from what we saw in Week 2. The Jet defense, that obviously has a lot of talent, that obviously has a lot of ways to get after the quarterback and the guys in the secondary. And listen, it should profile as one of the better defenses the NFL has to offer. The Jet defense stunk today. Can we own that? Can we acknowledge that? Or is that, uh, is that not allowed? Am I, am I going to get roasted for bringing that into the equation? The Jet defense stunk. They could not get off the field on third down. They could not guard CeeDee Lamb to save their lives. They had no answer for Dak Prescott and the Cowboy tight ends. Again and again and again, it felt like the Cowboys were in third down, and boom, they make a play. Boom, they make a play. And they just marched and marched and marched. Now, it helps when you're in a position where you can go and get a couple of short fields. And listen, I've yet to see a team in the NFL find an answer for Michael Parsons. And maybe this is just, like, fresh to me because I just watched him manhandle the giant offensive line. And my goodness, did he put on yet another display in this game for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that strip of Dalvin Cook, woo, sexy. 
super sexy. He's not even close to best player defensively in the NFL. He's unblockable. To the point where when you see Dallas on their schedule, it's like so jarring and so eye-opening. The idea of not only blocking him, but the other guys that they bring to the table on the defensive line. That's why Dallas is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Let's see if they can win in the month of January. When you got a player like that on defense, it's a game changer. And the Giants, nice job taking Kadarius Tony over Michael Parsons. Just throwing that one out there. But the bigger takeaway for the Jets is this. If they are going to be a team that can win with Zach Wilson, get about the quarterback narratives for today. That's not what this game is about as far as the way I see it. You can't be in positions where the Jet defense is going to play like that. Can't afford it. That's probably, in theory, putting unfair and unreasonable expectations on the entire unit, on the entire group. Let's be real. A lot of the same unfair expectations that they had to deal with last year. When they ended up going 7-10 and 10 and they had no answers at quarterback. Yeah, they're going to be compromised at times. Yeah, they're going to be put in bad situations. Yeah, they're probably going to have a bunch of short fields. But that's the hand they've been dealt. And if they're going to contend in the AFC and be one of the seven that's left standing in January, they got to be great every single week. Maybe, maybe the offense bails you out a couple of times. Maybe that's going to happen. They were great Monday night against the Bills. They won the game. They were horrific today against the Dallas Cowboys. And you saw what happened. So the Jets now are one and one. And I think they... All right, coming up next, Jason Goff from the Full Go in Chicago will break down what an 0-2 start means for Justin Fields and the Bears. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. What's happening, y'all? How y'all doing out there? Shout out to all the the, uh, local angle folks here on FanDuel TV. Shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook. You know, it's the, the my preferred sports book app, you know, the number one sports betting app in America. Uh, you know, I know you would be expecting if you listen to the full go on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, right here on the ringer. I know you might be expecting me to go crazy and do the whole woe is us and what's happening next thing. Not gonna do that. Not going to do that at all. This is going to be as calm and uh, as subdued a post-game reaction as you guys are going to get. Because guess what, y'all? After we get through the mindless palaver and all the, the, the consternation of being a Bears fan and sometimes being an NFL fan when you don't have a team that is representing your expectations the way that they should, 
sometimes you just sit back and ask very logical and specific questions. And my logical and specific question after week two, Buccaneers, Bears is, is this thing getting better? And I don't know one Bears fan who can look at me and say it is. And yes, week one overreactions were, were, were on full display. I was, if you want to say, Jace, you were overreacting, fine. <laughs> By the way, Jordan Love with another three touchdowns this week. Huh? Huh? Remember who told you how important that week one was and why it was important? And going forward, the next 15, 16 games, how every pass that Justin Fields threw was going to be a referendum on whether he should be the Bears starting quarterback going forward. Not just this season, by the way. <laughs> you have people in this city currently who are asking for Nathan Peterman or Tyson Bajant. That's right. Secret Bajant man is now getting phone calls to local sports radio stations as being the, the week three starter against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I ask you again, is it getting better? Just keep that. Just hold that. You don't have to. It's rhetorical. Okay. All right. I'm treating this like a relationship, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you ever you ever check in with yourself three months in, five months in, six months in, and you're like, man, is is this is this getting better? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Is is this as much fun as I thought it was in the beginning? I, I'll digress in a, in, a, in a, on that. Justin Fields had three rushing yards. Week one, Justin Fields had one design quarterback run. Guess what happened last year? Justin Fields ran for 1,100 yards. <laughs> so I want to know, along with the is it getting better, who's doing this? Who's deciding that this is the route to take? All I preached since Justin Fields was drafted was, man, just give him a little bit of success and you'll build on it. However you need to move the ball, you'll build on it. Whether it's check down, Charlie, or whether it's tuck and run, like all mobile quarterbacks have taught from the moment they enter peewee football. Look at that one read and take your off because coach got miles to feed. <laughs> I got to get this next job or keep this one. And then those players... They make their way through the filters. This dude went to Georgia and then he transferred to Ohio State where we watch, oh, he's got all the first round picks around him. And guess what, though? He was playing against some, too. He was playing against some. <laughs> he was playing against some pretty good defenses as well, right? He was playing against the Ohio State defense in practice. <laughs> Didn't get shook to his core. It took for three years in the NFL for Justin Fields to look like this in week two. Week two, last week, 111 days to get ready for that game. Looked like this week. Oh, well, guess what? It's not going to happen again. We're going to go down the field, get the ball to DJ Moore. They looked good on the first drive of the game, which was scripted, and the no huddle drive at the end of the game. And the, the seven possessions in between, which is the life of the game. Oh, <laughs> Did it get better? Is it getting better? And this is the other thing for all the Justin Fields people out there, because hi, how you doing? <laughs> My name is Jason and I'm a Justin Fields fan. For all the Justin Fields fans out there. Hey, y'all. 
whether you lie to yourself that it's getting better or not, proof is in the pudding. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The is it getting better goes for everybody involved. Hey, Ryan Poles, is it getting better? Is your fifth round pick at left tackle that you couldn't wait? Everybody couldn't wait to talk about how good Braxton Jones played. Oh, well, I should say my, my English teacher would beat my ass right now. How well Braxton Jones played the final eight games of the season. Oh, you didn't miss a snap. <laughs> now, guess who was happy he didn't miss a snap? Opposing edge rushers. Todd Bowles looked at the two tackles that the Bears presented in week two of the NFL season and said, it's time to eat. That's right, Tony. He presented it to his defense. Who wants to get their incentives? <laughs> huh? Who wants to get paid? Shaq Barrett, you need, you need a pick six? You need, a, you need a return touchdown to seal the deal? Everything that you got going on in your life? Hey, watch, watch this. Final, final drive. Let's, 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 let's nail him inside the 10 yard line and expect, cause we were all expecting the bears to drive 97 yards, 93 yards, whatever the hell it was to, for the, for the game winning score. I don't, I don't know if you weren't, but of course I was that cause, cause Lord knows the offense had given me so much in the previous seven and a half quarters to rely upon in a foundational, uh, uh, evidentiary basis where I'm like, you know what? Yeah. That's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, we haven't even gotten to the defense yet because I'm still asking, is it getting better? The team has lost how many games in a row now? I see people talking about benching Justin Fields. <laughs> uh -oh. So now you're going to punish the other 52 dudes on the, on the field is what you're going to do. And who's going to be the punisher? Matt Eberflus? How much cachet right now does Matt Eberflus have in that locker room other than being titled the head coach? And the whole is it getting better part, let's really start where this thing kind of started for me. Guess what happens when your offense is and you have a defensive coordinator for, the, for your head coach? Guess who can't take over play calling duties now? Huh? Huh? Because Lord knows uh, all those offensive-minded coaches with those bad defenses can't really get anybody to figure that whole defensive thing out ever. You know, because Lord knows the teams who score 30 points a game are like, man, but we can't stop anybody, and that is going to be the fatal flaw to this team. You, you think Justin Herbert ain't going to get matched up at some point here with a defensive mind that's going to lock down that side of the ball for the Chargers so they don't waste Dan Marino in his prime? Ah, but when that happens, when a defensive head coach is at the helm and the offense looks as uncoordinated as this one looks, who are you handing that off to? So not only is it getting better, how is it going to get better? <laughs> How's it going to get better? If you want to tell me right now that Justin Fields cannot tow the load as a premier quarterback in this league, how could I possibly argue with you? Pow. Outside of liking a dude, how can I say to anybody who's like, hey, man, I don't think I had I got a call from a rapper today. A call. This person picked up the phone, <laughs> said, yo, what up, man? Hey, what's happening? He ain't is what he said, laughed and hung up the phone. 
How can I argue with that? Even if I believe in my heart of hearts that Justin Fields is the man to be, how can I argue with that two weeks into this NFL season? And for all the Justin Fields people, hey, how you doing? My name's Jason Goff. <laughs> I'm a member of the Justin Fields fan club. The other side of the, the coin, by the way, so it's Yaha time over there. Oh, they can't, they can't wait. Oh, well, you know, he can't throw the ball. Let me, let me, let me read y'all off something real quick here. Let me, because I took pictures, because, you know, pictures means it happened, right? Proof. With, on the last drive, the last drive, Fox threw up a graphic about what the Buccaneers defense had accomplished today. Five sacks, nine quarterback hits, four tackles for loss, and one takeaway up to that point. That's, a, that's, that's the last drive. How did you get to the last drive of the game? Well, you're still in the game. By the way, shout out to the defense for somehow, somehow making Baker Mayfield look like Joe Montana. Yeah, y'all thought y'all was getting a shout out to like, because they held him to 20 points. No, 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 no. Shout out to y'all for resurrecting a man's career. Huh? At Minnesota game, everybody's like, ah, well, don't worry. He'll turn back into Baker. Next thing you know, he is 23 for 30 for 309 yards before the game ended, before the last possession. So is it getting any better? Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds had a bunch of tackles. TJ Edwards had a bunch of tackles. Meanwhile, the Bears are still one of the worst third down teams in the National Football League after being the worst one last year. They were the worst team at push, putting pressure on the quarterback. They were the worst team in third down conversions. What, what more do you have to find out or figure out? Is it getting better? Shout out to Rasheen Green, Tricky Dick Hightower and his boys out here blocking field goals. That's what we're left with as Bears fans. That's what we're left with. Relying on special teams again. Enjoy. Is it getting better for you? Is it getting better, Ryan Poles? Is it getting better, Matt Eberflus? Oh, well, it's a bunch of people who haven't played on the same. Well, guess what? The, the schedule don't give a d about who's not comfortable with who and, and what the chemistry is or isn't. That's what you had training camp for. Because please believe if they came out and, and, and got off to a 2-0 start, we wouldn't be hearing about the, the overturn in the roster. We'd be patting people on the back for making the correct moves and putting talent in the place where they was bereft of talent. Coming up next, Shiel Kapadia and Ben Solak from the Philly Special. We'll get to the 2-0 start for the Eagles. Are there any concerns with the defending NFC champs, though? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to those of you watching on FanDuel TV and those of you listening to the Ringers Philly special. Eagles 2-0 going into week three. It's been a little bit of a shaky 2-0. I'm here with Chiel Kapati here with Ben Solak. Ben, let's play a little game, kind of spin it forward. What is your level of concern? Let's start with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles 
passing game, which has been probably maybe the biggest surprise in a negative way through the first two weeks. Give me on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, oh my God, the season's over. They have no chance. One being, calm down. It's two games. They're going to be fine. Where do you land on that? Five, six, five. What? Yeah, no, you can't. I'm not letting you go yeah, five. You I don't, at least have to pick one side I, or the, the other. The second I said five, I lost respect <laughs> for myself. So six. The label I would put on it is this is going to lose them a game, right? Uh, the Eagles have been able to get into game scripts in the first half. They they haven't fallen behind dramatically. The Patriots game, right? They have that that uh, that big second quarter. They get to a huge lead. And in, in the Vikings game, it was the end of the first half, into the second half, a couple turnovers, get a big lead, such that they haven't needed to throw their way back into game and we just have not seen this eagles passing game be successful enough that i would say hey like they can throw their way back into a football game now i don't know if the bucks in week three are going to be the team that makes them do that the rams the jets with zach wilson like they may not run into a team for a bit but if they get into a script right now where they have to throw the football to, to reset the, the the game script i have no reason to believe they're going to be able to do that for a consistent drive when they've scored on and big passing drives they've, they've been scoring with explosives they've been throwing the ball down the field with catch and run like i i i am um, i'm very worried about their standard drop back passing game at this time i'm gonna put it up to like a six and a half i'm a i'm a little uh, this, this is definitely on my radar where i'm not sweeping it under the rug right it's been two games the vikings were not a talented defense and they looked shaky against them you know week one against the patriots all right that is a uh, a good defense and, and it's bill belichick but yeah it just it ju- doesn't look like last year uh, frankly it looks a little more like two years ago in 2021 where occasionally they'd hit on a big play but there was no consistency no rhythm to it so i have a little more panic than you do all right Next question. What is your level of concern uh, about the Eagles having to, a lot of mouths to feed, right? That's the, that's the term, a lot of mouths to feed on offense. So uh, Dallas Goddard, very quiet through the first two games here, but more importantly, Ben, AJ Brown, not happy in that Thursday night game going into the fourth quarter. Eagles are up. They're fine. The crowd's into it. Uh, the camera goes to the sideline. A.J. Brown's a little frustrated, talking to Jalen Hurts. Nick Sirianni comes over. We saw this last year with A.J. Brown. I think it was in their playoff win against the Giants, yeah, I right, say. Yeah. It, it was in a game where they were winning. He wasn't getting the ball, and he was frustrated. He only had four catches for 29 yards in that Week 2 game against the Vikings. Uh, is this going to be an ongoing storyline? What do you think? Ten being, uh, yes, A.J. Brown's going to be doing sit-ups in his driveway, like uh, Terrell Owens did a back classic. in the day. Uh, one being, no, come on. Wide receivers are going to wide receiver. They're going to do that tweet yeah. that you know g- goes viral, and it's all good. Where are yeah, you? Yeah, this is a two or a three for me on that scale. There's there's okay. two truths always to remember with angry wide receiver on sideline. The first is the availability heuristic. We only know and care about it because the camera caught it. I promise you there are multiple times during an NFL Sunday when 32 teams are playing that someone at the sideline is yelling at somebody else on the sideline and the camera doesn't catch it. So nobody in the media asks questions about it. No fans do. And it, you know, dies as it dies. It gets handled as it gets handled. So firstly, the cameras just happen to catch this one. Secondly, you want your star receiver to want the ball, right? You like, uh, and, and if there's a game in which AJ Brown has at the time, I think he had what, like three catches for 18 yards or something. Oh yeah. They kept going to him after he yeah. uh, did that but on the if, sideline. If, like, if, three if, targets. If he's, if AJ Brown's three quarters into a game and only has three catches, I want him on the sideline being like, I'm, I want to contribute help. I want to produce, help me help you. And like, obviously 
there's ways that that good intention gets poorly communicated and that can cause a problem. But in general, you want your star receivers to want to have the ball. AJ Brown's in Philadelphia because he's very tight with Jalen. Like, it's not like these guys have any, a fractured relationship or they were a, 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 a you know, uh, tight unseen marriage. Like, they didn't know one another. They're Mississippi guys or the, the SEC background and they want to play together. And so I think they're going to be fine. I think that this is not going to be considered an issue, especially because, like, feeding AJ Brown targets might also just be the solution to the Eagles' passing game problems anyways. You might be able to two burn and one stone this whole thing. My only, I, I, I'm like 85 to 90% mm-hmm. with you on that. I don't love it when you're up by like two touchdowns. Like, it, it, like it's not an issue right now. Like you're up by two touchdowns. You're running the ball well. They ran for 259 yards in that game. They had something that worked. And this was the same thing. I mean, they were blowing out the Giants in that playoff game. And he was having an issue. Like when the team's losing or it's a tight game and the offense isn't playing well, I'm all for it. I'm absolutely wide receiver. Go ahead. This stuff happens on the sidelines. Uh, I don't love it when like, it's like settle down. Like every, like that looked like that's what Jalen Hurts was saying. Like, dude, we're running the ball all the way down the field. Your time will come. It's only week two. So um, you had it at a two or three. I'm still on that side of it. Yeah. I'll go four, maybe a little bit higher, but I, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. Because like you said, I mean, and we and they, by the way, they do react to these things. I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. he does that on the sideline. The camera catches it. And like three of the next six plays, they're targeting I mean, AJ Brown. They walked so out. They should. They walked out on the first drive with just like designed Dallas Goddard target, designed Dallas Goddard target. Like, yeah, they are very, the Eagles coaching staff is not afraid of being like, we got to get this guy the ball more. Let's do that immediately. <laughs> and listen, you don't like it when you're up by two scores. I love it when you're up by two scores. Just say like, we have nothing better to do. We're winning. Can we just help pad the stats a little bit? Mm. And then, Obviously, Listen. that's not really the case, but yeah, I hear you. I can confidently say that if I were an NFL player, no one would pad the stats like me. Like that third string yeah. left tackles in there. I don't care what the call is. My butt's going over there. I'm li- that's where I'm lining up. I'm going up against them. I don't care. Don't don't be pa- linebacker. Don't pat me on the butt and tell me to move over. I'm not going anywhere. I'm getting my sack. So if you're in uh, this so that- world, you play defensive end. <laughs> that's the ideal shield. That's where your mind went right away. Is I'm I'm playing pass uh, rusher. Well. Yeah, because then, like, instead of getting hit, I can just, like, run away. You know, I don't want to be in an offensive oh, okay. position yeah, where yeah. someone can Someone's just hit trying me to tackle you, and it's for fine. Sure. Yeah, no, I don't need to be doing that. All right, level of concern, Benjamin Solak, for the Eagles' defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. It's sort of been mixed results. They've gotten a lot of turnovers. At the same time, Kirk Cousins and Mac Jones, I believe, both go for over 300 yards uh, against this defense. So, Desai replaces Jonathan Gannon. We were excited. We thought Jonathan Gannon's defense was boring. Where are we uh, in terms of our level of concern or maybe approval for Sean Desai? 10 being bring Jonathan Gannon back. We miss him. Not uh, a 10. One, one being no way. We're, you know, you talk about the Vic Fangio tree. We're going to be talking about the Sean Desai tree uh, a few years from now. Where are you? Who? Like, I, I, like, I'm, I've concern- I think you were confused by my scale. It was I've, kind of confusing. I mean, I don't think we're, we're, I'm not ready to crown the Sean Desai tree just yet. I'll put it to you that way. Um, But I I have concerns with the defense. They're not Desai related, right? I think that there's limited resources available for Desai right now as the defensive coordinator because of the injuries the Eagles have accrued on that side of the ball. And I think he's doing a good job with what he's got. And there's some realities you're going to not be able to avoid. Like, do I love how much, you know, the second year corner, Josh Job, the backup for James Radbury was on an island against the Vikings? No. Do I have a better alternative? 
Not really. Like you got it. Someone's when you have this many, uh, they have a, a a nickel corner injury, a safety injury, a middle linebacker injury, a corner injury. Somebody's got to kind of you know get get left out there and 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 hopefully you know punch above their weight and 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 step up to the plate a little bit. And so there's only so much you can do as, as a DC. And I think that uh, critically and importantly, uh, Desai understands where his bread is buttered. This this defense is built on on maximizing the pass rush. Right, they get their guys down and then go. There was a great stat after week one. Uh, that, that NFL.com uh, had about like the average time of get off for pass rushers across the league. And four of the top seven players were Eagles players. What that tells me is that uh, schematically decide saying, Hey, you guys have one job go right. We're not playing two gaps. Jonathan Gannon would do this. We're not slow and react attack and reading blocks, get up field. And that's the correct way. I think to be running this defense, that's where the strength of it is. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's trying different things. They're injured, like you said. There's been some good, some bad. I like the aggressiveness. I like what's in his DNA. We knew there was going to be kind of a steep learning curve with different personnel uh, and those backups playing. So, yeah, I think I would probably put it at uh, three or four. I've been somewhat encouraged. All right, let's finish with this one quickly on a positive note. Your excitement level. Let's go there. With the Eagles defensive tackles from Georgia, your boys, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. Ten being, they've got like basically Aaron Donald and Indama Kinsu for the next however many years. One being, everyone settled down. It's been two games against some backups in there. Let's see them when, when the real games matter. Where are you? A hundred. I, <laughs> I knew you were going over all, 10. All I ever wanted <laughs> in a 2022 NFL draft was a Jordan Davis. All I ever wanted in a 2023 draft was a Jalen Carter. I got them both. My two large adult sons are playing better than I could have imagined. Makes me so happy. Yeah, they they've they've been as at better than advertised. I mean, Jalen Carter had so much hype in the summer. It was like, all right, it's training camp, it's the preseason. Is this going to really carry over into the regular season? Man, he yeah. has just had an unbelievable rep after unbelievable rep through the first two weeks of the season. The bigger surprise to me, Ben, is, is Jordan Davis. I mean, we've talked we talked about him a lot on the Ringers Philly special. You were more bullish on him uh, than I was based on last year's film. But I can tell you, I mean, his, his two games this season have been better than anything he put on film as a rookie. And I think we went into the season saying, hey, if he can just be a really good uh, run stuffer right now, the pass rush will eventually come, a defensive tackle. Sometimes it takes three years. Sometimes it takes four years. We see that with guys like Dexter Lawrence. So my expectation for this year wasn't even like Jordan Davis has to be on the field on third down rushing the passer. Well, guess what? Jordan Davis has been on the field rushing the passer uh, on third down and has had some very impressive reps. So not mm-hmm. only is he getting it done against the run, their run defense has been fantastic so far through the first two weeks of the season, uh, but he's also performing as a pass rusher. So the Eagles are going to need that defensive line to really carry them, and uh, it looks like they might have the pieces to do that. That'll do it for the Week 2 edition of The Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. You can catch us every Monday at 9 a.m. 